This is the James Cancer-Free World Podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg, and today our guest is Bill Farr. Bill is the CEO of the James Cancer Hospital, and he'll fill us in on the past year, a year of, of great progress in the fight against cancer, and he'll also tell us about some of the exciting new things he and his team have planned for 2020 and beyond. Bill, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. It's always a pleasure to have you. And first, before we start talking about the James, although this totally ties in with everything we're about to talk about, earlier this week, there was some great news from the American Cancer Society that the death rate from cancer was down 2.2% in the year 2017 from the previous year. And that's an increase over the past few years when it averaged a 1.5% decrease. So that's great news. More people are living longer. So why? Why is this happening? Well, Steve, I, I think that's a sort of a, a two-pronged uh, attack on cancer that we've had for many years, uh, uh, one being prevention uh, and the other being treatment. Uh, I clearly think that uh, as time goes on, uh, more and more people are paying attention to cancer, paying attention to what they need to prevent certain cancers, uh, improving their lifestyle to go along with the uh, tremendous advances in in cancer surgery, uh, and not only cancer surgery, but cancer treatment uh, that has made an impact on on uh, people living longer. Yeah, that that that's a great way to put it because prevention is so key and screenings, colonoscopies, mammograms to catch it early and, and increase and better treatment all add up. All these different little pieces add up little by little and then more and more. And who knows what one day what's going to happen. That's exactly right. I mean, uh, one of the, the, the first cancers that came into the treatment realm uh, outside of colon cancer and hemocult testing uh, was mammogram for, for breast cancer. And now not only do we have mammogram, but we got, we got what's called tomosynthesis, which is a 3D mammogram. Uh, we have whole breast ultrasound. We have MRI. And we have contrast mammography. So there are many, many different different avenues that we have to try to diagnose breast cancer at an earlier stage. And as we know, earlier stage uh, uh, recognition and treatment in any cancer gives us a better outcome. We have seen tremendous advances in treatment, especially in immuno-oncology that we're going to be talking about, especially in lung cancer and melanoma. We've seen tremendous effect of the immuno-oncology on these patients' survival. So freestanding cancer hospitals such as the James and comprehensive cancer centers such as the one here are leading the way in this in this fight and and making this good news possible. That's exactly right. I mean, uh, how, is, uh, how is all of this uh, uh, treatment parlayed out to the public uh, is what our goal is, is to show that prevention makes a difference, to show that earlier detection makes a difference, and to show that the progress that we have had uh, in, in basic research, translational research to get these discoveries to the patient, clinical trials has made an impact uh, on, on survival, uh, and immuno-oncology is, is now really uh, 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 showing its head and making uh, 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 tremendous advances in people's outcomes. Well, let's start with immuno-oncology. This past mm, August, 
uh, you announced the formation of the Pelotonia Institute of Immuno-Oncology. And Dr. Zihai Lee, who's the director of that, was on our podcast in episode 40, if anyone wants to check it out. But give us a little bit of an update and especially of how this is going to impact patient care. Well, immunotherapy uh, and immuno-oncology has actually been around for a long time. I remember back in the 70s uh, participating in clinical trials looking at immunotherapy. Uh, It's only been the last 10 years that we've really figured out and have the expertise to find out how we can use immunotherapy to make impact on on patient survival. Uh, We started out 100 years ago with surgery. Uh, We added radiation therapy. We added chemotherapy. We added endocrine therapy. We added targeted therapy. And now we have immunotherapy, uh, which uh, is truly uh, in diseases that we, uh, uh, for instance, lung cancer had a survival. If you had metastatic lung cancer, your survival was about six months. And now we have people living seven, eight years after having metastatic breast cancer. And that's related, uh, lung sorry, ca- lung, lung cancer. cancer. Uh, and that's related to the immunotherapy that, uh, that's been uh, identified to to, uh, to, to treat these people. And so I think uh, we're going to see uh, 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 much improved uh, mortality and those cancer rates, I think, are going to continue to drop. Uh, not, not greatly, uh, but uh, slowly over the next uh, uh, many years. Well, if it's a couple percentage points every year, I mean, that, yes. that's good. And, and just to recap in talking to Dr. Lee and others, immuno-oncology or immunotherapy is helping the body's immune system recognize and destroy cancer cells. And like you mentioned, this has been going on since the 70s and has been more and more refined and many, many labs and doctors here are using it. But now with this institute, that's going to sort of be the the, the central focus and the clearinghouse to coordinate everything? Yes, I think uh, actually about two years ago ago um – we obviously recognize that immuno-oncology is, is the next big player on the block. Uh, and with the help of many people, uh, Dr. Pollock sort of spearheaded the idea of starting an um, immuno-oncology institute. And with the support of, of uh, Pelotonia, uh, which has uh, uh, pledged uh, $102 million uh, towards uh, uh, this uh, institute, uh, we have hired a, a tremendous leader in Zihai Li, uh, who is in the process of recruiting uh, somewhere between uh, 15 and 20 researchers uh, to really lead us to become one of the uh, top uh, immuno-oncology uh, programs uh, in the country. Uh, and so uh, uh, we're very excited <clears throat> what the next uh, few years uh, bring uh, into um, treating patients, uh, getting clinical trials that translate the basic research uh, into the patients uh, uh, with uh, many different types of cancer. Uh, in fact, we just used immunotherapy for what CAR T therapy uh, on a breast patient last week. Uh, so we're moving out into all different cancers. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, hopefully you're going to see tremendous results. Yeah, this CAR T-cell therapy, we had Samantha Jaglowski on the podcast. That's sort of the next step forward in immunotherapy where you take the T-cells out, genetically engineer them to make them even better at detecting, killing, and put them back 
in the body. That's, that's pretty amazing. That's exactly right. And I mean, that's just one of the types of immunotherapy we have with, uh, uh, with the, the, the targeted cells and uh, the checkpoint inhibitors. And there, there are just many types of ways. And, you know, what, what we've learned how to do is uh, before we had all the immunotherapy that would rev up our immune system, but the problem is we couldn't get it into the cancer cell. Now we know how to break down the barriers to get our immune system into the cancer. You really are <laughs> Are just at the beginning of the effectiveness of immunotherapy. I mean, the next 10, 20 years is going to skyrocket in how much you can do. Clearly. I mean, I mean and uh, yeah. uh, this is really the successes have we're just starting to see from clinical trials that were started like eight to 10 years ago. Uh, and, and, and also, I don't want to think that we have not had an immunotherapy program uh, uh, and we're just starting one. I, I mean, our hematology uh, uh, division... Uh, Excuse me, and the work done by John Bird has been instrumental in changing the treatment of CLL from being a uh, a fatal disease to to one where over ninety percent uh, of people are are cured or or at least uh, able to live uh, long periods of time. So we've had tre- tremendous uh, um, work in uh, immunotherapy in the past. Well, that you didn't know that, but you just gave me a perfect segue to my next question, John Bird, <laughs> and the development of. First, ibrutinib, which is what you just talked about for CLL, which is, I always get this wrong, chronic, uh, I always get the lymphocytic lymphocytic leukemia. leukemia. Ibrutinib is a drug that it doesn't cure it, but it puts it in long-term remission and people can live five, 10 years longer. longer. And he's come up with a second generation of this drug through clinical trials that you ran. So tell us about this new drug that I believe was approved this past year. It, it, this last year, it was approved by the FDA for treatment of uh, mantle cell uh, uh, lymphoma, uh, CLL, and AML, I believe. Um, but the uh, acalabrutinib, I have probably pronunciated on all of them. Acalabrutinib, okay. <laughs> but it's just a, a second-generation uh, BTK inhibitor. Uh, which is uh, a new class of drug shown to improve the survival of patients uh, with, I said, mantle cell lymphoma, CLL, and uh, actually SML. Uh, but this drug uh, uh, permanently binds to BTK. Uh, BTK is a part of the chain of proteins that relays growth signals from the surface of the cancer cell to genes in the cell nucleus, enabling cancer cell to survive and grow. Uh, By blocking this BTK receptor, the drug halts the flow of these growth signals and kills the cancer cells. So it's a, it, it looks like a relatively simple uh, progression of events to kill the cancer cell. Uh, has taken years to develop, uh, but uh, uh, our, our hematology group, uh, led by John Bird, has, has got both of these uh, drugs uh, over the past few years to be approved by the FDA and has made major impacts uh, on the, uh, the cancers that I just mentioned. And the saving tens, hundreds, maybe thousands of lives around the world. Exactly. This is uh, uh, just phenomenal work, uh, which uh, uh, really uh, spearheads uh, our, uh, our, uh, our goal uh, in, in our immuno-oncology program to continue this work. So because John Bird and his team have developed this drug, so that makes you the one of the world leader in this. So people either come here to be treated or other doctors come here to learn. And this spreads throughout the region, the country and the world and is a way in which you're impacting everyone. 
That's exactly right, Steve. I mean, uh, we have recruited, uh, I don't have the numbers, but a tremendous amount of really top uh, hematologists that want to come here and be part of our uh, uh, world-class program. Uh, I really believe, uh, at least in my mind, that our uh, hematology program is probably the best, uh, not only in this country, but the world. Okay. And clinical trials are, are how Excelabrutinib and Ibrutinib are are tested and make sure that it works. And so talk about clinical trials and I know you've grown tremendously in the number of clinical trials that you that you offer to patients. Clinical trials are developed uh, through a mechanism of phase one to phase two to phase three trials, where the phase three trials are comparing the new treatment to standard therapy to see if the results are better. Uh, and so clinical trials is our, our mechanism in, in not only our cancer center, but every cancer center to, to take uh, new discoveries and test them in patients uh, with certain uh, uh, cancers. Uh, and we have a very, very active uh, clinical trials program uh, at the James. Uh, just last year, we opened 137 new clinical trials uh, and enrolled uh, over 2,000 patients on, on clinical trials. Uh, uh, which is a phenomenal number. And uh, I, I know at the Breast Center, uh, since I'm most involved with that, uh, we have our clinical trials or group uh, that lives in the Breast Center that actually then can see the patients on a very timely fashion, ones that are eligible to go on a clinical trial. Uh, and we actually put uh, close to 28% of our breast cancer patients on clinical trials. Uh, the national average at most institutions is around 3 to 4%. Uh, so we're well above the national average, not only at the breast center, but for almost all of the uh, multidisciplinary groups uh, are, are, are really putting patients uh, at record numbers on clinical trials, which answer very important uh, 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 questions. Uh, about how uh, different drugs uh, affect the cancer. And you mentioned, uh, I forget the numbers, 100 and something new trials opened last this past year. 137 new clinical trials. And your total, I believe, is close to 700. Um, if you look at all the clinical trials, yeah, there's over 700. With the uh, number of beds that we have and the number of patients we have, uh, we're clearly one of the uh, uh, top uh, um, places that place people on clinical trials. Okay. Uh, this is a good, good time to take a break. So we'll be right back and we'll dive down a little deeper into some other new things that are coming in 2020 at the James. A revolution in lung cancer treatment is happening at the James. We're proving lung cancer isn't solely defined by location and stage, but rather the individual molecules and genes that drive it. Simply put, there is no routine lung cancer. That's why our world-renowned specialists put their expertise towards treating one particular lung cancer, yours. At The James, we go beyond the routine to prevent, detect, treat, and cure your lung cancer. To learn more, call 1-800-293-5066. We're back with Bill Farr the CEO of the James Cancer Hospital, talking about what's coming up this year and beyond. And Bill, one of the things I've been hear a lot, hearing a lot about is proton radiation, this new facility, this new type of radiation. What is it? Well, proton uh, radiation is just a, another way to, to get radiation uh, into tumors. Uh, and it's... Uh, um, 
it, it's really new on the block. It's been used for a number of years in pediatric tumors uh, and also been used to, to treat um, lung cancer, uh, prostate cancer, uh, head and neck cancer, uh, brain cancer, and, and different issues. And what it is, it just gives a, a, a very fast uh, way of getting radiation to the tumor. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to build a proton center uh, at our new uh, um, ambulatory center. It's called West Campus Ambulatory Center. Uh, West Campus being uh, the area west of um, Kenny Road and south of, of uh, Woody Hayes Drive. Um, there's an area there that where our outpatient building is going to be built. And part of that outpatient building will house the uh, new Proton Center. Uh, and uh, this will attract a lot of people who who come to the James uh, not only for for regular radiation, uh, but they may be candidates for proton therapy. Uh, there's one type of proton therapy that uh, Dr. Chakravarti will probably talk about is uh, what's called flash therapy, uh, which will be used in in many types of tumors, uh, and that's where they just basically get one treatment. Uh, radiation treatment oh. in general is anywhere from uh, one week to as much as six or seven weeks. Uh, and this flash targeted therapy will just be one treatment. Uh, and we will be one of the uh, uh, areas uh, where we'll be able to do a lot of the initial research uh, on this type of therapy. Uh, our uh, West uh, Campus Ambulatory Center, when it opens, will be about the time that clinical trials and use of flash therapy in humans will be developed. And uh, we, we think that we'll probably be one of the first institutions in the country to be able to use this type of therapy. It's kind of fascinating, almost like a, a business model, how you uh, how a, a cancer center, a cancer hospital needs to stay up on all the latest trends, technologies, treatments, and always be prepared to build an immunology, immunotherapy center, a proton radiation center, uh, you've got to keep up with what's going on in the science. We do. And, and I, I need to mention that this is a, a cooperative effort, uh, the proton uh, uh, therapy uh, uh, with Children's Hospital, because uh, a lot of the pediatric tumors, as I mentioned, that will be able to uh, right. use this therapy. And so we have a, a, a partnership with them, uh, uh, not, not only uh, being able to, to get the pediatric patients to come over to the James, uh, but they're all also supporting this effort uh, equally with, uh, uh, with uh, the medical center. And Dr. Chakravarti, who will run this program, will be doing a podcast with us in, a, Great. in another couple episodes. Well, he'll, so he'll, he'll probably give details. you a better uh, rendition of it than I did. I know. It's hard for you to be an expert in everything. <laughs> you're already you're – already, I was talking to you about this before. You're already – you're the, you're the head of the Spielman Breast Center. You're the head of the James Cancer Hospital. You see patients in clinic and you do surgery. So that, that's you got to you, you're kind of busy. It keeps me busy. Yes. Yeah. So okay. So that's if I'm counting right, that's four full time jobs. <laughs> that's not bad. Um, tell us about there. There's been I've seen some some news reports about this. Some awards that James has won in terms of uh, patient care and, and I think also in terms of um, surgical procedures. Well, there's uh, yes, we've we've uh, been fortunate to to win uh, uh, numerous awards over the past year. 
just last night, uh, we found out that we won the uh, the gold award uh, for uh, uh, it's called the Beacon Award for uh, patient care and patient satisfaction. Uh, and uh, this was uh, in our surgical uh, SICU in the James. Uh, that group of uh, nurses won that award. Uh, that uh, we got the award also three years ago. It was the silver award, uh, and this year we got the gold award, which again just uh, uh, just uh, bears the evidence of of the uh, tremendous uh, uh, patient care that that occurs at the James. We also won earlier this fall. Uh, Two Press Ganey Awards, uh, again for patient satisfaction of having uh, a patient satisfaction over 95% uh, for uh, the entire year. Uh, and since we have had that uh, award for the last three years, we also got uh, the award that's, that's given, uh, I think, just about three institutions in the country that, uh, that have uh, uh, get the uh, one-year award for three years in a row. Uh, so again, uh, we, we, we win these awards and, and we're very proud of them, but we're more proud of uh, what they mean to our patients uh, and, uh, uh, and the physicians and everyone that works at the James. Now, we talked about that before, that the legacy of Dr. James, who was your mentor and who you trained with and his, the hospital is named after, that was something that was so important to him and became the culture of the hospital, of taking care of patients, of going the extra mile for your patients. That's exactly right. I mean, I had the, the great opportunity to to work with him uh, um, for a year during my residency uh, and then was his partner uh, for about 10 years before he retired. Uh, and clearly, uh, uh, his his emphasis uh, was uh, not only on providing the best possible uh, oncologic care for our patients, uh, but doing it in the best way p- possible, not only for the patient, but the family members. Uh, so uh, uh, his work, uh, uh, not only his clinical work, uh, but his work uh, in, in regards to setting a standard for the cancer hospital in regards to patient care uh, has been uh, uh, a a great uh, success story for the James. When you said you started with him, that was 1975, which is, I'm doing some math in my head, 45 years ago? About 45 years, yes. Which is amazing. So was he ever the title or the equivalent of the title of CEO of the hospital? He was not. He actually uh, retired uh, from practice uh, the year uh, before the James James opened. Um, so he was never CEO of the James because he retired before there was a James. That's correct. But it just yeah. uh, it seems appropriate that you're the CEO of the James. And I also find it amazing from 1975 till now is the modern era of cancer treatment. And you've seen it all. And it must be pretty rewarding and amazing to have witnessed and been part of this 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 giant leap forward. Steve, it, it really has. Uh, I mean, I look back on my career, and, and uh, when I started uh, uh, after finishing my residency and fellowship in, in 1982, uh, the way we treated cancer there um, uh, is, is, it was 
is has changed so much in the thirty plus years that uh, that I've been practicing. Uh, it, it's really uh, remarkable to the point. Uh, I always give the example back when I uh, started doing surgery um, uh, in breast cancer. Uh, we used to do a, a radical mastectomy. We would take the patient to the operating room, do a biopsy, and if, and if that lady had cancer, we would do a radical mastectomy. Uh, I don't want to go the through same procedure, the, the same, same day, the same, same day yeah. procedure. Uh, and now we're to the point where uh, aggressive cancers and breast cancer are are um, responding so well to treatment uh, that in some of these cases, a triple negative breast cancers are heard to positive breast cancers that following chemotherapy, it appears that their cancer, which may have been four or five centimeters in size, has completely gone away. Uh, and there's a clinical trial now looking to do biopsies on that patient, just do some needle biopsies, and if there's no cancer in those needle biopsies, to not do surgery on an aggressive, large, high-stage breast cancer. So just in my lifetime, we have gone from doing a radical mastectomy on a lady with a two-centimeter breast cancer to possibly not even doing surgery uh, uh, and getting the same outcome. So these women who may not get the surgery, they're being treated with immunotherapy or targeted therapies or there right now it's chemotherapy okay uh, and targeted therapy um, uh, followed uh, by uh, biopsy and then probably radiation so the treatments have advanced so far that reduces the surgery which you don't want i mean right. i mean that's okay. so uh, you know uh, to if someone had told me 40 years ago that we would not be doing surgery on aggressive breast cancer uh-huh. uh, it would have been uh, uh, quite a uh, uh, quite a joke at, at that time so obviously breast cancer is your specialty and the Spielman Breast Cancer Comprehensive Breast Center has is as a national leader it it must be and everyone I talk to here on the podcast, the, the, the passion that you just showed, that in, in enthusiasm, that that hope it is just so present. It seems to drive everyone here at the James. Well, it does. I mean, I uh, I, uh, I I really feel honored to be able to uh, uh, to uh, um, become uh, a CEO of the James. Um, I, I really consider that a privilege to to work uh, and be able to uh, uh, to talk and make uh, uh, and make changes in people's lives. But the uh, the group of of doctors, uh, nurses, um, helpers, uh, everyone across the board at the James uh, are just tremendous people that have a dedication uh, and a, a a great desire to see advances in in breast cancer cancer and, and other cancers care. I always say breast, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, in basically all cancers. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really a privilege to work with such a uh, tremendous group of, uh, of individuals who come to the James to make a difference. And every day we see that difference playing out. Well, thank you for everything you do. And thanks for sharing everything on the podcast with us. Well, thank you very much, Steve. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Solov Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.